The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. Some people like to use a simple gesture. I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but you don't have to use it. But it's just a nice thing to experiment with. And it's just a, a physical symbol of a sense of gratitude that we have a little time to put down the world, turn the attention inward. And so you might naturally feel some gratitude, appreciation for having the time. And then if that gesture, putting your hands together, you know it's an ancient gesture used in a lot of different traditions. It's not a Buddhist gesture. But uh, if it feels good, use it. And if it doesn't, don't feel like you have to use it. So adjust your body if you haven't yet. Maybe one of you back there could, the top two lights a little bit more up, about halfway each one, the top two, just so we can see each other. Great. So did anybody feel some resistance about coming back? Did you, were you able to see, oh, that's just a thought or that's just a feeling? It's so much, there's so much freedom in noticing emotion with awareness, this clear, alert, and relaxed attention, because then we're not driven by it. I mean, sometimes emotional arisings are giving us some useful information that sort of informs decision-making. But other times it's just not that helpful. It's not really giving the mind, it's just like habit energy. Oh, I don't, I don't really feel like it. I mean, if we, if we always took that cue, we'd probably be spending most of our life in bed. <laughs> right? Oh, I don't really want to get up. But we know, well, that's just a feeling. doesn't mean I shouldn't get out of bed. doesn't mean I shouldn't come back on Tuesday night. So I want to open it up for Q&A. And just generally to hear what you've been learning in your sets. And I mentioned last week briefly, but I want to repeat this because it's really true. There's real power in community for all kinds of reasons. And one reason is when some of you, we won't obviously hear from everybody, but when some of you share what it was like for you to sit down for 20 minutes on Thursday morning or you know, Saturday afternoon or whenever it was as you practiced this last week and try out some of these techniques like the body scan meditation that we've done a couple times now or using the, uh, the actual physicality of the breath coming in and out as an anchor or as a primary meditation object and then expanding that to feel the whole body as you breathe in, whole body as you breathe out, or, and we just are learning, and we'll do a little bit more in the weeks ahead, this open attention where you're specifically not directing your attention. So, so far, three techniques. Body scan, moving the attention, and you could do that for the whole set. So if you put aside 30 minutes, you could just systematically go up and down, or if you like, start at the top, go to the bottom, start at the top, go to the bottom, There's not really a right or wrong way, except with the body scan, we're bringing equal attention to every place. We don't have favorites. And so some parts of the body might feel numb, 
But that's how that part feels. So you're, you practice being just as interested, just as intimate, just as patient with places in the body that seem relatively closed down or numb or flat as you do with places that feel quite alive with sensations or interesting or even, heaven forbid, pleasant. You, you just equal attention as you move through the body, right? And the more you do that body scan, the more fluid it can be. Initially, you know, you have to sort of direct. But remember, it's not about your thoughts about each of the places. It's about the direct, immediate experience of sensation in each place. The heat, the coolness, the hardness, the softness, the energetic feeling or the numb feeling, whatever's there in those places. And we learn the mindfulness of breathing practice, starting out with this, the, the attention to the physicality, maybe as a movement of your abdominal wall, rising with the in-breath, falling with the out-breath, or some people better feel it at the, as a touching at the nostrils as the air comes in with the in-breath, of course, out with the out-breath. Or just anywhere, however you feel the sensations of the breath, the physicality of the breath, and then let that naturally expand to feel the whole body with the in-breath. So you're not excluding, you're still going to feel the obvious sensations of breathing in as the predominant experience, but right there, as you feel that touching of the air going in your nostrils, right there are all the other sensations of the body. Same with the out-breath, right? So that's the second technique. And then the third, we just did a little bit Open attention. It's not easy. This is harder in some ways. It seems easier, but it's not really easier. So you're not directing your attention. So you're really learning to rest, almost like you're leaning back into the space of awareness. Where is the space of awareness, by the way? It's right here. You don't have to go anywhere. So it's like relaxing in the awareness that's already here. And whatever shows up in that space of awareness, you just notice it. The, the wisdom or the attention, that part of the mind that knows, it will know what shows up. And it doesn't have to know everything because there's a lot of things showing up in any moment. It can just know what's most predominant. And it, you know how you know what's most predominant? It's what the attention is knowing. So it's not even like, where should I put my attention? No, no, it's more like, well, what is the mind knowing? The mind, the attention, is already knowing something. What is it knowing? That's what's predominant. Oh, now this is being known. Now this is being known. And like I mentioned, you can even use some of that language because initially it might be, for some of you at least, helpful to use a phrase like, oh, this is being known. It's just this mental activity being known or just this sensation being known or just this hearing being known. It's just that, being known. Well, can that be okay? So you can throw in that second question from time to time. Do I need to get tight? Do I need to control what's being known or react to what's being known? Or can I just allow whatever's being known to be something that's being known? And we call that open awareness or open attention. So, But it's characterized by you don't have to direct your attention anywhere. We're really learning to let objects of awareness show up naturally. Sounds show up, 
sensations show up, thoughts, emotions show up, sights show up, maybe a smell from time to time will show up. Usually not so much a strong taste, right? Because we're not, you know, maybe you have a little sesame seed there. <laughs> and taste will show up, but not very often. But it's, uh, you, with that open attention, it's much more about learning how to relax and trust the knowing, the awareness of the mind. So it's a very useful practice. And as you practice more and more, at least in this tradition, that style of practice will become a more regular part of how you practice. It's also really um, uh, useful practice for daily life, like when you're not formally sitting, because as you're moving about your day, you're not, it's not as easy to have one primary meditation object, is it? I mean, you can come back to your breath, but then you've know, you got to open the cabinet, or you've got to have a conversation, or you've got to do these different things. But with the open attention practice, it really works with daily life because whatever is front and center, whatever the knowing mind is knowing, then you're just reflectively aware, oh, this is what the knowing mind, this is what attention is knowing. Did I mention the mirror last week? Because that's a very useful, like for the open attention practice, the question is, in this moment, what's the mirror reflecting? Because the mirror is always reflecting what the mind is knowing. Oh, this is being known. This is being known. Can we remember to recognize what's being known? We're remembering to recognize what's being known. We're not trying to know something. That's more of a that would be more of the end of the directed meditation, where I'm bringing my attention back to the body, back to the breath in the body. But now we're just remembering to recognize what's being known. Because something is always being known. As long as you're alive and not in deep, deep sleep, the mind, the knowing mind, attention is always knowing something. And we're learning to track present moment attention, present moment awareness rather, and we call that the continuity of mindful awareness. And it's the continuity of mindful awareness that supports what we call samadhi, the settling down, the stabilization of the mind, makes the mind really powerful. And when the mind is settled down in that way, really clear and balanced, then we say you can't help but have insight. Meaning your mind, the knowing mind, is going to understand things about the mind and about experience that it hasn't yet understood. It's going to wake up. Right? So this is a path of awakening, a path of insight. The first thing you need to develop is a continuity of mindful awareness that will give you what initially will appear to be an altered state because normally we go through life quite distracted, quite superficial, the attention fragmented, right? And so when things settle down, it goes, oh my God, I've always wanted a mind like this, clear, balanced, resilient, not pushed around by pleasant and unpleasant experience, not reacting to pleasant and unpleasant experience, but that, in a way, that's sort of the normal mind when it's settled. And we call that, we use the word samadhi a lot because we don't in English have a good word for it. Some words that kind of point to it is like the unification of the mind or the mind that's gathered, the energies of the mind have been gathered, collected in a balanced, stable way. So we don't have one word, but in Buddhism they do. 
They call it samadhi. It gets badly translated as concentration, but for us in English, concentration almost always implies a kind of tension. You're, you're sort of focusing with... That's not this kind of concentration. It's more like a, a natural stability. And the, and the visceral feeling of samadhi is like the mind, body, is sort of stable, grounded, centered, even a kind of solidity, but not in a tight way. But like, but relaxed, like there, but really relaxed. And it's pleasant. Samadhi's pleasant. And it's, it has a sense of wholeness. That's a unification. So just on a basic emotional, psychological level, it's healing to be in samadhi. You could have had a really rough day and a lot of you know, not-so-wholesome emotions might have gotten triggered. And you go home and have a nice sit and you get a little samadhi. And a lot of that psychological damage from being pushed around during the day gets put back into balance. And if you sit regularly and go on retreats regularly and touch those deeper states of concentration or samadhi or settledness, then you'll spend less money on therapy. You still may need therapy, (laughs) but you won't need as much. Because you'll be processing day by day the stuff. It won't accumulate, accumulate so that, you know, two years down the line, a couple of months down the line, you've got a backlog of unresolved pain, torment, shame, or whatever, just from your interactions that you have to, you know, then you might need somebody to help you unpack it and process it and work through it. But you can do it every day. That, that's kind of the idea. And not only sort of process what got set in motion today, but ancient stuff too and that's the stability and then the more you have that stability of mind what we call samadhi then you'll just start having insight and basically the insights that we have are insight a deepening understanding of the causes of stress how does this heart fall into holes how does this heart get in tight dark heavy reactive states and will insight into causes for the release of suffering, the release of stress. How do I go from being in a really heavy, dark, contracted space, mental space, to feeling light, the mind light, nimble, clear, able to respond appropriately, skillfully, in a kind way, in a wise way? How do we get there? Well, in a lawful universe as this is, there are causes that support that liberation of the mind, that opening of the mind and heart. But do we know those causes and supporting causes now? No, but we will if we have insight. right? And in order to have insight, we need the stability of mind or samadhi. And in order to have samadhi, we need the continuity of mindful awareness. In order to have the continuity of mindful awareness, we have to train the mind because mostly now for us, Is your mind in the habit of being continuously aware? No. Our minds generally are in the habit of being distracted and superficial and reactive and obsessive, fragmented in different ways, right? And so it doesn't matter because that has happened because of, you know, the mind's been allowed. It's like a pet that never got trained. And so it poops here and there, 
jumps on the counter, kitchen counters, you know. If food's around, it takes it. If somebody's unknown, it will bark or scratch or whatever, you know. And our mind is the same way. You know, our mind is just nature, not that different than any other kind, any other aspect of nature. A lot of times we don't think. We think, you know, we hear stories about Buddhism and meditation and we think it's all about just trusting the mind, just letting things be. And there's some truth to that. I might have mentioned this last week. But if we let things be, that means we're letting our habit energies be. And a lot of our habit energies are not healthy, not helpful. So we have to develop, strengthen, reinforce new habits, like the habit of being relaxed, the habit of being clear or alert, the habit of beginning again, returning to the present moment, the habit of sustaining present moment awareness, the habit of forgiving ourselves when we get distracted again, not getting frustrated, but, oh yeah, that happens. Sometimes it's like this. Sometimes the mind obsesses like this. Okay, honey, so what else is being known? Oh yeah, there's a body here. Oh yeah, breathing in is like this. Oh yeah, breathing out is like this. And we're training the mind in the same way I don't know, I never have had a dog, but it's amazing how cats know to go in the litter box, but dogs are different. And, uh, you know, I'm told, like some people, they pick up the little puppy and they put it on the newspaper. And the puppy doesn't know what the heck you're doing, so it wanders off and you pick the puppy up and you put it down in the newspaper. And you pick it up and you put it down in the newspaper. And eventually, the puppy gets it. Oh yeah, don't pee there, pee here. You know, when I can't go outside, you pee here. And you don't get angry at the puppy. If you get angry at the puppy, it just gets neurotic, right? It doesn't, like, help the training to get frustrated. It's the same thing with this practice. The mind is like a spoiled pet. It thinks it can just do whatever it wants. I want to think about that lustful fantasy, or I want to think about the debate, or I want to think about life under this presidential candidate, or, or whatever you might want to think about, you know. Did I marry the right person? Did I wear the right shirt tonight? All these sort of things that seemingly are important, but ultimately aren't that important. And so for the formal training, you know, when we're in our formal sit, no, we know exactly what we're doing, whether we're doing the open or the breath body meditation or the body scan meditation. And remember, there's the other I mentioned, but we haven't, maybe we did a little bit last week, the hearing meditation. I forgot about that. That's another good sort of uh, medicine to have in your medicine cabinet. You know, you can do mindfulness of hearing, body scan, breath and whole body as one, and then open attention, right? So you got some things. And, you know, you might want to use go to each of these four at least once during the week, but one of those four will be your predominant practice. And you want to do that every day as much as possible. And then if you have some extra time at the beginning or the end, then maybe experiment with one of the other practices. Or use one of the other at another point during the day when you've got a little time and you could just, yeah, just experiment with it. So let me open it up for some comments. It'd be like I mentioned, we learn a lot from hearing from each other. Any questions that you have or just sharing some of your experiences. And this is a directional mic, which means you have to point it like this. 
not up and down like this, okay? So anybody want to start out? And if you're comfortable saying your name too, that's nice. Yeah, please. Uh, my name is Brian. Um, I've been struggling with the, this encountering something while I'm trying to relax and knowing it. When, uh, so I, I know it, but then it's kind of an awkward moment. Like, okay, I know that I'm feeling, um, I'm feeling pain in my leg for, or something. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to do at that point. Do I just move on to the next sensation or it's, it's like an awkward, awkward moment for me? Yeah. Because normally <clears throat> we would try to ignore something like that. But now because you're following the instructions in a wholehearted, to some degree, in a wholehearted way, attention, awareness, turns toward the pain in the leg, let's say. Oh, sensations. Painful sensations are like this now. These sensations are being known. And there's some pain associated with it, right? Some unpleasantness. And so there's going to be, because of the unpleasantness, a lot of uh, latent tendencies to want to control the unpleasantness, to want to move away from the unpleasantness, to hate the unpleasantness, to want to blame somebody. So notice that too. Notice the not liking or notice the mental reaction or the mental resistance to the pain because that's also something happening in the present moment. So it might be something like, you know, you're with your breath, breathing in, feeling the whole body, breathing out, feeling the whole body. And then you kind of, like in the periphery, you notice there's something like calling for your attention, the pain in the knee or the pain in the leg. And at some point, maybe initially you just ignore it and you stay with the, you know, the chosen object, your anchor of feeling the breath and feeling the whole body. But at some point, it seems like, no, no, I need to be the predominant object. So then you acknowledge, oh, now this is what the meditation object is. Doesn't, it's not even that you chose it. It sort of decided, no, no, I'm the meditation object now. So we don't, even though we may say, oh, my mind was distracted, it's not really correct because we're letting strong distractions come into the forefront of attention with this style of practice. Now, if you're just, sometimes you'll hear mindfulness of breathing as more of a concentration practice, in which case you're going to be told, don't let other objects come in. Just stick with the breath, right? But that's not how we're practicing. It's not necessarily a bad way to practice. It's just different. So if it's just a mild distraction, then let it stay on the periphery. But when it's really demanding attention, then let it come in. Now the breath and the other sensations, they're in the periphery. And the pain in the leg, whatever that is. Now it's not the idea, pain in the leg, it's the throbbing, it's the burning, it's the twisting, it's the actual sensations, right? Oh, and you, you could stay with the breath. So it could be something like breathing in, pain is like this, while breathing out, noticing that the pain in the leg is like this. You don't need to coordinate it with the breath, but some people like to keep the, the rhythm, the awareness of the rhythm of the breath, even as they're knowing other objects of experience. So either way, with the breath, or just on its own, knowing the pain in the knee, the sensations. And then as you do your best to be intimate, open, honestly, clear, alert, relaxed, 
with the pain in the knee or the pain in the leg, then you might notice the mental resistance. Then notice that too. Oh, let that come into the forefront because actually the not liking the pain in the leg might be the most predominant experience. That might be in a sense bigger than the actual throbbing or burning or twisting or aching or whatever that those sensations are. Might be that I don't like this. I want this to go away. Somebody better do something. Okay, not liking is like this. So the knowing, the knowing mind, the awareness is knowing, oh, this is the experience of not liking. Not liking is like this. And you can notice the not liking is also also unpleasant. So there's really two things that are unpleasant. The actual sensations in the leg and the not liking of it. Both are unpleasant. Now the interesting thing is, how does this all change? How does the dynamic change when these two things, the not liking and the sensations, are clearly acknowledged with awareness? Just notice. Like, does the whole thing lighten up? I'm not... Don't try to lighten it up. Just try to be honest about what's being known. But does that help? Just be, pay attention about whether that helps. Now, you can, you can just stay with that. You don't need, in some ways, pain and the not liking of pain are really good meditation objects because they're clear, right? And the attention goes there anyway, right? The problem with it is, is that you're going to want to relate with aversion or the not liking, but you just keep recognizing it. So even though you, the habit of the mind will want to get lost in the not liking to get identified with the, the resistance, but you just want to keep noticing that the resistance can be an object that's being known. Instead of, I'm resistant, I want it to go away. Oh, there is resistance in the mind. There is not liking in the mind. Because emotions can be seen. Aversion, hatred, fear, irritation, boredom, that can be seen as something being known. Isn't that true? Same with wholesome, beautiful states of mind can be seen. Like compassion might arise. Oh, honey, it isn't easy having pain in the leg. I care about this. You might notice that. Oh, compassion. And the more you see different ways of relating to the pain, the more the mind will naturally gravitate not to mental resistance or aversion or fear, or denial, but to compassion. Oh, because actually the best way to deal with physical pain is to be intimate in a kind way. It's actually worse to distract yourself from it. It hurts more because, first of all, the pain doesn't change because you're not noticing it. There's still pain in the, in the leg. But it takes work to not notice it. It's like a mental stress to be unaware of it to be in denial or distracted. So actually, the most peaceful relationship to emotional or physical pain is to be intimate with it, radically intimate with it, really close. So there's no part of the mind that's manipulating, strategizing to get some space because we've already just like laid down right in the middle of it. Take me. you know. And it's not that we like it. We don't know mind likes physical pain or emotional pain. It's just we don't want to add more pain to what's already unpleasant. And we learn that mostly through mistakes, like resisting it, struggling with it, moving the body. 
But eventually we learn that just sitting in a relaxed and still way, letting the pain be the object of meditation, and this is where it can be helpful to coordinate with the breath, because over time you're going to have a really healthy relationship with the rhythm of breathing. A lot of wholesome qualities will naturally show up when you're aware of your breath because you're training with your breath a lot. So as you breathe in, feel that pain in the leg. As you breathe out, be intimate with the pain in the leg. And because you've been training with your breath, let's say a couple years down the line now, for those of you who are new, then your mind already knows how to be intimate with the breath as sensation, knows how to be kind, knows how to be alert, knows how to be you know, radically present. So then when you bring your breath and the pain together, then those wholesome qualities you have with your awareness of the breath can be with the pain too. Yeah. Now sometimes pain will arise and it will be just too strong. Or you really have been skillful with it for two, three, four minutes, but now the mind's getting a little, sort of losing its resolve, losing its confidence, getting a little tired of being with what's painful. So then, then it can be quite strategic then maybe like to go to hearing meditation and just open the, the sounds. And it's like directing your attention away from the pain. Or if, if it seems appropriate to, and, and it seems likely like it will help, to stretch out that limb or to move to a standing meditation to relieve the painful sensation. So you can continue your practice for the time that you decided on, but maybe at this point you don't have enough confidence, don't, know, don't have enough momentum in your practice to continue working with pain as your primary object. So you have to change it up a little bit. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Other examples, experiences from your sitting practice at home that you'd like to share with the group? Questions? Yeah, you want to pass the mic over hand by hand? All the way in the chair over here in the gray shirt. Uh, my name's Alex, um, and it kind of builds on the, the last question. Um, I've noticed in particular that when I find a place of stillness in my mind, um, my, well, let me take a step back. When I'm distracted, I find my eyes are light as a feather. And when I find a place of stillness, it's like, I've got two kettlebells in my eye sockets all of a sudden. And in a sense, what does that mean? Like that the extreme heaviness and almost like, like a level of pain, sort of like the knee. Mm -hmm. So I guess building on the last question, if it doesn't seem, if it seems like that pain is more of a distraction than anything, does, um, providing a shorter window, of meditation do anything to that or is it more what you just said of moving on to a different type of focus and finding stillness in a different way yeah there are a couple different strategies but i'll just talk about it in three ways so and this basically refers to anything that's challenging or difficult that shows up and remember sometimes joy is difficult but normally it's something unpleasant um so one is to do our best to let it become the predominant object, the object of meditation. And then so then as the object of meditation, it's always the same. Can the mind be alert and relaxed? Or some of you noticed, I forget if this is up on with the other handouts, but I 
printed up enough copies for everybody if you want to take one. It's just the acronym RAIN, R-A-I-N. Recognize, allow or accept, intimacy or interest, and non-attachment. So with whatever the meditation object is, so in this case, a heaviness in the eyes or pressure or maybe it's tension, but you'll, you'll get to know it. And if you can, then let that be your meditation object, the actual sensations of it. And like I was saying with this, this gentleman, any mental reaction to it. So there's two things. There are these sensations just as they are, and then how the mind is relating to those sensations, with or without aversion, fear, whatever it might be, obsessive tendency to want to figure it out. So, But that, that's one strategy. When your mind can sustain this balanced attention, but when it can't, then it might be more of a touch and go. Will you open to the sensations and then maybe come back to whole body awareness for a couple breaths? And then turn your attention fully to it for maybe a half breath and then back off and feel the whole body. So I call that touch and go. You're acknowledging, oh yeah, the eyes are like this. Pressure is being known. It's just pressure being known. And now feeling the whole body. Whole body is being known. Breathing in, feeling the whole body, breathing out. And then there's the complete turning away. So you might not even want to be aware of your whole body because that may include that. And it may be that whenever you feel it, it just sets emotion a lot of mental reactivity and you get swept away with that. So maybe you go to hearing, like I mentioned. Or maybe you do walking meditation. But whatever it is, you know, one of the interesting things, and you mentioned this, Alex, when you settle, then you feel it. So now do you feel it during the day? Yeah, so sometimes we call this dharma pain or pain that arises just in meditation is what we mean by dharma pain. And so, for example, and I don't know, so I can just sort of say a few things that might fit your situation, but, you know, we hold all of our fear, all of our ways of closing ourselves off from life, defending, it gets chronic. You know, we've been doing it year after year, month after month. And so cumulatively, that kind of holding, that kind of tension has some long-term repercussions. And when we settle down, we basically start to tune in to a more subtle level of the body. You could call it like the energy body, just for lack of a specific term in English. So call it the energy body. And the energy body is going to reflect the chronic patterns of the mind. So if we've been tight, as we all have in different ways, afraid, needy, basically different emotional patterns that are not so healthy that we've been chronically sort of stuck in or coming up or living out of, then we'll feel that effect in the body. And like just different ways we've been holding tension that in our normal day we are not aware of because it's too subtle. But when we settle all of a sudden... So it might be that there's a chronic pattern that when you're afraid, when you're tight, when you're nervous, when you're leaning forward and trying to make something habit happen or be being controlling, that for whatever reason, as a child, you learn to tense your eyes, right? And then it's just, it's a habit. It always happens. It's happened, you know, 30, 40 times a day, 365 days a year, 30-some years or whatever it is. That's a lot of habit energy. 
that gets built up. And then it can feel overwhelming when we see it. Oh my God. But whatever has gotten built up, whatever has gotten entangled, has the nature to disentangle, to unwind, to fall apart, to disappear. But it might take some time. And what allows for that unwinding, you can probably guess, mindful awareness. To be aware without judgment, without fear, to be willing to be intimate. So rain, to recognize it, to allow it, to learn how to be interested and intimate, and then in time to realize a non-attachment, a non-identification. Because whatever that is, it's not really you in a strict sense. It's just a natural arising due to causes and conditions, right? And so you don't have to personalize it. You don't need a personal story. You can just notice that when I'm really there with it, it lessens. It may be gradual, but it will fall apart on its own. So there will be times in your sit when that is really the appropriate meditation object, but not always. And there are habits that people get into of always wanting to go to the most difficult thing, especially those of you who are aversive types or critical types like me, you know, people with critical minds. I want to go to the bad stuff and I want to fix it. So to be able to be in this practice for the long haul, you need to know how to be with neutral experience because that refreshes the mind. And even better, pleasant experience. So if you really want to be and develop this practice and be in it for the long haul, you have to notice what's pleasant, what's beautiful, and what's neutral so that you have the resilience and the confidence to turn towards what's difficult and to really see it in a balanced way. Because otherwise, you know, you're always looking at the difficult. You think your mind is in balance, but it's, there's subtle aversion there. Sometimes not so subtle aversion, but often just subtle aversion. You think you're doing the practice, but you're actually reinforcing a controlling, a tight stance. And real mindfulness doesn't have an agenda except to be intimate. To be, I just want to be close because I know from, you know, I'm, I have confidence from my practice that if I'm really close, really intimate, really seeing things as they are, if anything can unwind, it will unwind. If anything can open up, it will open up. Did I mention that awareness is like a universal solvent? Did I say this last week? Like the water that cut a mile groove in the Grand Canyon? You don't think of water as being very, you know, destructive or... But given enough time, it carved... I don't know if you've seen the Grand Canyon, but it's pretty impressive to see that mile gash in the earth, mile deep gash in the earth, just because water has been running down it long enough. So if we pay attention to these patterns in a kind but alert, clear way, everything will unwind. Everything that can unwind will unwind. This is a good place to end. So play with the RAIN acronym as a way of remembering what you're doing. So when you get confused, okay, Mark gave us the RAIN acronym. This is something that's been used a lot in... uh, Buddhist meditation circle, so it's not my acronym. But you can just, it will help you remember, okay, all I have to do is recognize, allow, practice being intimate, and realize moments when whatever the mind is knowing, it's not attached to it. It's 
not identified. It's just the nature of causes and conditions playing themselves out here. Whether you're with the breath, the body scan, awareness of hearing, open attention, so different objects are being known in different moments. Great, and we'll have time for more Q&A next week. So even if you want something interesting happens, maybe make a little note, bring it next week. I'll try to save 20 minutes or so. Just as a reminder, the handouts, calmgrowmeditation.org, look under programs, look for this class, Introduction to Mindfulness Meditation, and the blurb about this class is a link to a web page that has all the handouts, about eight of them, plus uh, the recorded talks from previ- a previous class that you can listen to, like if you're going to be out of town for one of the classes or you're feeling sick and can't come, you can listen to the class online. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org.